Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For luck, I give me love, oh. Now you the catch my shot. For your sake, I go go touch you. Hey. We go drive around you for my Porsche. Baby, Pana. They say he like you all. I, I get you all. Baby, Pana. Anywhere that you go, I go follow you to go. Baby, Pana. They say he like cassava. I get the big cassava. Hey, baby, Pana. My love for you. like 
This book is intriguing. You cannot put it down immediately. You just read the first page. Miss Sherry, good morning and welcome to the show. Nathan, my brother, good morning. Can you hear me well? Yes, I can. Like they say, loud and clear. I mean, isn't it amazing for us to connect like this? Yes, it's certainly a divine appointment. We know that. Yes, excellent. Now, before we get into our discussion, uh, for those listening, and last weekend we hosted uh, the organizers, the leadership of the African Union Region 6. Uh, this is Texas, who are organizing the African Diaspora Conference taking place. Uh, it started last night. Uh, the reason I want you to comment on your experience is because everybody who is there sending me messages, it's electrifying. The atmosphere is just What's your experience, Ms. Sherry, about this event last night or yesterday? Well, I can tell you electrifying is the right word. Uh, <laughs> we are energized. We are kicking off an awesome weekend with Her mm-hmm. Excellency, the Honorable, you know, Arakana Chiambori Kwa. And yes. she is a dynamic leader, one in a million. And we are so blessed to have her here in Dallas with us this weekend to, you know, uh, work on bringing change to our community uh, here in America and on the continent and Africa and globally. Mm. And she is just the right right person at the right time with the right message. Mm. And, uh, you know, we're just like aligning with her and uh, her knowledge, her experience. You know, she's just a lovable person, personable, and she's a serious woman. (laughs) And that's Uh that's the bottom uh line, you know. We need serious leaders. So here we are. Excellent. Yeah. Can you you tell us about your something that stood out for you last night? What is something that you can refer to that stood out for you? Well, the thing that I can't stop thinking about uh, when she said it, uh, Dr. Kwas, she said that we are um, basically, you know, using the colonial uh, textbooks to continue to teach our children, and we know the truth. So why are we still doing that? And that's just like, ouch, you know, <laughs> it's just, oof. I, uh, so she has, you know, strategies to start implementing different ways to uh, make sure that uh, that you know the African children, African American children, uh, some people might say black children, uh, but we are Africans. If we are people mm. of color, uh, we are likely African. Yes. <laughs> and I know that, and now hopefully everyone else will too. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, so her, All right. Her message, yeah, that was powerful. That message was powerful right there. But she has like a whole. A uh, list of other, you know, mm. highlights that right. we should consider. Right. Yeah, we need to consider. I know there's a lot of things that uh, need to be discussed, but anyway, let <clears throat> let's get into our discussion today and uh, get to understand who Sherry Tomlin is and your life story, and uh, eventually we're going to talk about the African Bodyguard, the book. It's available on Amazon, everybody. You just need to sh- to search for it, African Bodyguard. That's the title, simply that. Let's buy the book and support our dear sister. Please tell us when and where. Where does your diaspora journey start from, Ms. Tomlin? I would say coming to America in 1970 from Jamaica. And my mom, uh, she, you know left me with my grandfather, and I love that man so much. Uh, That was, you know, my source of love and affection for five years until I came to America. And then uh, my auntie was a a bit abusive and uh, not a very loving person, but she was very strict, and she made sure that we were well-educated, and that's what she was pushing for us. But, of course, you know, you get into certain things in school, and, you know, you miss out on what you're supposed to be doing and opportunities, of course. And so it took me a while to understand and realize 
why she was so uh, determined to make sure that we had a good education. And when mm. I realized that, because, you know, I, I meet one person after another, and they're not, you know, achieving anything, accomplishing anything, but there's something in me, uh, in most Jamaicans, that we must rise, okay? And mm. before before we could rise, because we supported each other, uh, you know, fully, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if we needed salt, we can knock on the neighbor's door and say, do you have any salt I can borrow? Those were the days we borrowed and lent and supported <laughs> each other. And, and now we come to America and those things are not happening anymore. People go to work, they lock up in their house and you don't see them, you know, for the weekend and just hi and goodbye. And that's how, you know, there's no, the family orientation that we had back home and the, you know, mm-hmm. community experience. That's just lacking, especially in a place like Dallas. We have a lot of Jamaicans here, and we don't know each other. And nobody, mm. you know, is reaching out to anyone anymore. There's, and a lot of it is because we don't have the media outlets. We don't have, uh, you know, those, um, the means to, to connect. And so this is why I'm so grateful to be on your show today, uh, to be able to connect uh, to my brothers and sisters uh, right here in America and on the That's country. right. That's right. Now, now, talking to that, the word that you have used, family orientation, the means to connect, uh, how do we, how is that related in your personal experience with what is going on with the African diaspora, Michelle? We are now connecting. We are awakening. This is like the right time because uh, not only you know, are people realizing that we have a rich history that's been suppressed. And mm. the more the more we bring that out and leaders step up, like Dr. You know, Arakana Chiambori Kwa, you know, more mm. people like her coming on board uh, with leadership. That's what's lacking in our community mostly. Uh, you know, we're going to see change. There's no, and there's a lot of chaos going on, but chaos leads to change, and it it has to happen, and this is the right time. We are in rhythm with the right people at the right time in the right places. Excellent. You have traveled and worked widely in Africa in different scenarios. Uh, I believe this was through uh, your service through the American Army, and of course, privately through your your NGO. What what was the motivation for you to join military service? To, you said to join the military. Yes. Me, I joined the military because they offered me ten thousand dollars if I was to graduate <laughs> LVN school, and they walked into my you know licensed vocational class. And they were dressed so, you know, professionally. And I wanted to be like that. And, of course, I wanted a $10,000. And so I immediately signed up. And it's, and they told me, you know, we have stations in Europe and all these nice places. And three months after I got to my duty station, they told me, you're going to Somalia. And I'm like, what? I don't even, you know, they said, there's some people that can't go because of medical issues. And, you know, you're a nurse. I have no nursing experience, Nathan. And they just put me on the plane, a C-130, and took me to Somalia. (laughs) Of course, we broke down in Egypt, this plane. You know, we had to spend a couple nights in Egypt. So that was Uh an experience out there in the desert, you know, with the imam doing his prayers at night and the freezing temperatures at night and the pyramids. And that was my introduction to Africa. So here I journey now to Somalia, and Mm -hmm. I'm in a rapid deployment unit. So we're in the middle of Mogadishu, you know, Somalia, with, uh, you know, all this uh, activity going on that, you know, these guys have RPGs and they're firing into our compound and people are getting shot and I'm stitching mm. people up and, you know, and, you know, <laughs> all, it's like, you know, how does this happen? You just come out of school and here you are, you know, sink or swim. And thank God I uh-huh. had a wonderful doctor. He was a wonderful doctor, Major Nang, 
that was in charge of my station. And whenever he was gone, there was a young Mm -hmm. boy, he was eight years old, he would always sneak in and, you know, I would give him medical treatment. And then he started bringing other people and I would, you know, uh, secretly take care of them. And that little boy has always, he's like my son. And he's always mm. been on my mind. And so, therefore, Africa is always on my mind. Of course, he's 30 years old now, I'm sure. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> yeah. I believe the Lord will bring you back in, your, in the path of your life. See, you, you, will, you will get to meet him. Uh, so you, you are serving in Ethiopia. This question has got two parts to it. Uh, first of all, you are of African descent, um, Yes, and, sir. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, you, you have, like in our private conversation, I, 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 I said to you that I, I don't like the word black people. I mean, we are, we are of African descent. How did the Somali people look at you, or what was your experience with the Somali people? And then secondly, uh, you, 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 you offered medical uh, treatment or help to the Somalis, which I believe uh, you were not supposed to, and how, how right. did that go with your with your with your superiors? How how did they respond? How did that go with your superiors? Well, they never did find out, and mm-hmm. I, I, I now that we're talking about it, I feel like uh, you know Harriet Tubman or something, you know. <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> so yeah, it was that kind of uh-huh, underground medical care that I was giving. Um, But um, yeah, and it was needed. Those uh, Somalian people and most African people that I've met, they have so much respect and so much love. And it's just, you know, overwhelming. You don't get it here uh, in, you know, as much in the States Mm -hmm. as you would if you were to go to Africa. It's like the respect from those children. And, you know, I, I, we talked about, when I first started to like Oprah, I never watched her show. And a mm-hmm. few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, I watched her on a show going to Africa, giving gifts to the children. And then she had to leave. And on her way yes. back, you know, there was an underpass. She had to walk under to her hotel and she just collapsed on the floor and started bawling. And that moment I fell in love with Oprah because that's exactly how I felt when I had to leave and no one, the love that you get from the children in Africa, it's, it's something you've never experienced anywhere else. Um, it's just, it's just different. They're trained, they're taught to respect mm-hmm. their elders and to, That's you right. know, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's so beautiful, such a beautiful experience. Amazing. You talk about respect and love, and you find that that's almost a common thing you find amongst Africans wherever they are living in the world. <laughs> yes. uh, do, do, yes. do, you, do you think that the other cultures who have or other the powers, the other people who are not of African descent, do you think they, they tend to take advantage of that and therefore dominate us and conquer us? I don't know, how do you look at that? How, how would you respond to a comment like that? Well, uh, the Europeans have a a different way of doing things, and they don't appreciate the, uh, the sweet spirit, you know, that other mm. people have. They have a plan to, uh, how would you say, you know, take control. And that's all they know yeah. how to do, and that's their survival mechanism. But our survival mechanism has always been what the Bible taught us to do, and that was to eat, drink, and be merry, and be your brother's keeper, and, you know, <laughs> you reap what you sow, and that's, that's our, you know, that's our background, okay? Mm-hmm. We just love mm-hmm. each other, love to party, love to give and share, and that's us, you know, as Africans. And not other other cultures don't live their lives that way. They're very calculating. They're very devious. And you can't trust them. And a lot of us d- didn't realize it until now. 
and a lot of us have mm. become like them. So that's even yeah. a you know a worse uh, outcome, right? <laughs> We've adopted <laughs> their style of you know the cutthroats and the you know backstabbing and the you know yeah uh, yeah that that's now something we're doing, unfortunately. Unfortunately, unfortunately. For those of you who have just joined us and you are listening online, uh, my guest this morning is Ms. Sherry Tomlin. She is the author of a book entitled The African Bodyguard. Like I said at the beginning, if you didn't hear me, this is a must read for every African around the world. You can search for it on Amazon and every other places where you buy books. Um, Ms. Sherry, you have an organization, an NGO called Charity Peace on Earth. Uh, tell us about its work and uh, how this started. Peace on Earth Ministries, I've had ministries before in the past, and because of, you know, disagreements and people can't see eye to eye, we didn't do much of the, many of the missions that we set out to do. In 2015, mm-hmm. I, you know, lost my mom. I was in New York. I came back to Texas. I stayed with my cousin in Rockwall, Texas, Charmaine Sarpong, for, you know, a couple of months, and she had a house guest. Uh, by the name of Larry. Larry's a white man, and he was a missionary. And so Mm -hmm. Larry told me he was going back to Liberia, and he uh, wanted to do some missions there, and uh, he needed financial assistance. And so he sold me everything he had in his possession. I bought everything. I gave him the assistance he needed, and he went to Africa, got married, and stayed over there. And I was supposed to, you know, lead the organization here while we set up an NGO in Nigeria and those surrounding areas in West Africa, right? And so uh, I was to do the fundraising and he was to do the mission work over there. And so uh, we, you know, we didn't get a lot of support. We did get support from Microsoft. We get did get software for the children for their laptops. And that was our mission, to renovate schools and to bring school supplies and renewable energy. And yes. I do have a friend. He's from Zambia. He's a, a graduate of MIT. He's an electrical engineer. And he has, um, you know, solar lamps and all that that we were, uh, you know, shipping to Nigeria so that the children can have light to do their homework because, you know, the electricity is not dependable uh, there. So they have to use those kerosene lamps sometimes, and that's not mm. um, healthy. It's not healthy to breathe in, you know, that those fumes. Um, so the solar energy is what we were trying to push. Um, and then, you know, the group disbanded at a certain point. But I have – and I don't – I haven't spoken to any of them since – uh, maybe 2017, and but I have the, you know, desire to, and that's I'm just wired that way. I guess I want to always uh-huh. continue to be a servant leader, to give, to share. That's just, you know, and you know, our our heavenly Father created us to depend on each other. We cannot reach our goals without each other. So no, we can't. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, very true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah, and so uh, this year, this year during a crisis in my personal life, there was a gentleman in Senegal, and he's uh-huh. the one I based the book on. He contacted me and was asking me for help because you know uh, he's in a village outside of Dakar, and they don't get any assistance from the government hardly. And to make matters worse, you know their government because he's Fulani, and the Fulani people in Africa, they know cows, they take care of cows, they they don't eat the cows mostly, but, you mm-hmm. know, the milk and all that. I mean, nobody knows the the beef industry and the cow industry like the Fulanis, and they should just pretty much be over that industry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so he was trying to get help for his cows, and this is how the relationship began between uh, this young man and myself. Okay, okay. So now let's get into the book. Everybody listening, my, I just wanted us to, to talk about the stuff we've talking about so that uh, our listeners, our audience, our community, we call this the ZBTR 
global family can get to know who Sherry Tomlin is. And obviously you are now part of our family. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you have no choice. Whatever you are doing, uh, here, uh, Dr. Patrick is here. I told you about him. We, here we love by force. Whether you like it or not, we'll just love on you. <laughs> Well, that's that's where the African, the people of African descent are. So you've written this book, and the title is The African Bodyguard. And as we are talking, yeah. and I know Noah and everybody else is doing the Google search about the book, everybody, you need to read this book. Is I read the book in one sitting, just uh, Noah, <laughs> I picked up, I woke up one day, picked up the book, started reading. By the time it was time for me to go about my business during the day, I had finished reading the book. I mean, that's just how intriguing it is. I mean, so the African bodyguard, why the title African bodyguard and what really motivated and steered the writing of this book? Okay, so I was talking about the gentleman in Senegal, and he reached out to me, and then we ended up having a long-distance relationship on the phone, Uh, I was going through some crisis and, you know, because I was in school trying to finish, uh, you know, my master's degree and my uh, ex-husband, you know, he decided to leave at that time and, and I just couldn't handle it. And so this young man gave me the support I need all the way from Africa uh, he would call me twice a day. I mean, he doesn't have the means to do a whole lot, but whatever he could do, he did. And he was very uh, motivational. Uh, he was like my, uh, you know, you know, uh, counselor, uh, whatever it took. He was like, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, it's going to, it's, everything's fine. You know, he would just mm. keep me grounded. And so, and pray with me every day. He would pray with me. Oh. I mean, and that was, that was, that meant a lot to me. That was more than a million dollars at the time, you know, and that uh-huh. just, and, and that ended up being successful. I did reach my goals because of, you know, and he was the only friend that I had. So his story come to, when I asked him about his story, that was uh-huh. when I was like, oh my goodness, are you serious? This really happened. Mm-hmm. He was a bodyguard in uh, Mauritania mm-hmm. for one of the ex-presidents. And what he told me, I was like, <laughs> this is going to be a good book, <laughs> okay? And he laughed about <laughs> it. And, and, and then what motivated me was when he, the drought hit in July in Senegal. Yeah. And I was sending my money to help and I was calling all the other charities and everyone was like, you know, we don't, no one called back or, you know, they were like, we don't have it. Or, and I was like, I have to find a way, you know, cause I'm also a case manager. So it's like with case management, you know, we will find a way to get people help come, <laughs> come what may, we're going to get you some help. And so the only thing I could think of was to write the book and I wrote the book oh. in two months. Okay, two, months, two months. I wrote the book. Wow. <laughs> because I was trying to do fundraising to help the, mm. uh, you know, the Fulani people back in Africa, in Senegal, uh, to not lose any more cows and to not go to mm-hmm. bed hungry at night because they had to take turns. Who's going to eat dinner tonight and who's not? You know, I wow. I can't I can't sleep and I know you know my brothers and sisters are living like that. Why? Mm-hmm. There's so much help they can get, but nobody cares. Mm. Nobody wants to help. So then here comes the book. Okay. Now, it's interesting when you read the book that I, I like how you interwine, how you, you go around things. And here's this gentleman living in Africa and that concept of connecting through social media. I mean, it just... Yeah. Sort of like even at the beginning of the show, we talked about this. You and I, in our private conversations, have talked about the power of social media. Here you are in the United States, here's this young gentleman across the continent. So, it, it just 
sort of zero into that, the, the importance of utilizing social media for the better, for the good of humanity? Well, I must say, Nathan, that uh, social media and technology was created for the African man, okay? Uh, <laughs> no man. Kids, I know. <laughs> it's like I haven't gotten anywhere until they took over, you know, my uh, behind the scenes. It's all African men doing my social media, doing uh, my creative, you know, um, activities, um, and they do it very well. And so Mm -hmm. uh, that's what I want to, you know, broadcast. Uh, I'm sure there's African women that do it well, too. But I haven't, like I said, I haven't had any success until the African men have taken over behind the scenes, uh, Mm. pushing me. Okay. I'm... (laughs) Look, see, I'm here with you as well, right, on social media, you know. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, so, exactly. So this is, this is where we're at. It's the, it's yeah, the truth. It's the, mm-hmm. dia- the African diaspora, the African diaspora has got a very, to me, when I read your book, you just highlight the significance and the realization as an African person in the diaspora. I need to realize my responsibility and obligation to the motherland because you talk about the Fulani headsmen or Fulani cattle farmers or the Fulani peasant farmers in the book and the real Mm -hmm. issues that they are facing. And the government is not doing anything about it. And I get to know and to understand about what is happening down there. So where does that place me as an African living in the diaspora? And who looks at, you talked about what your organization does. I'm I'm jumping all over the place here because I'm trying to connect Mm -hmm. the dots. You talk about the issue, excuse me, the issue of uh, lack of power, electricity, whatever terminology anybody wants to use in Nigeria, where your organization sends these, um, what you call it, solar, solar whatever, mm-hmm. solar lamps and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that would buy a zombie and PhD doctor too. <laughs> it was, yeah, the the person that developed there, it, he's from Zambia. There you go. Now there comes another Zambian into the picture. Home weekend, we need yes. to get to know who this Zambian is. And the yes. thing is this, uh, Sherry, is that that issue of power, electricity, is is the African continent story. It's the same problem in Zambia. It's the same problem in in mm-hmm. Zimbabwe, I believe. It. And a country like Nigeria has got a lot of oil resources. It beats you while you're having those problems. So to, to come to my point and the question to you is that the story that your book highlights, where mm-hmm. does that, what does it say to an African person about what we need to do for our people? You know, our motherland. Right. We need to invest in renewable energy, wind, solar, water. Uh, those things are, you know, abundant in Africa. Oh. Uh, the uh, the sun, you know, the wind, uh, hydro, especially in Zambia. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could power a lot of homes and cook. You could cook with it, charge your cell phone, because that solar lamp I'm telling you about you can charge your cell phone with it, you know? Uh So you just set it out in the sun for a few hours every day. You have light for two, three days, even if the sun doesn't come out. So that's where our, the key, the key is for the African continent. Uh, They Uh must, you know, harness that solar energy. Uh, They also Uh must harness technology to add capacity because uh, not all of the, you know, professionals will move and go back to Africa, you know, from the diaspora to help. But we can certainly do it sitting right here in America, you know, through technology. So those are the two things that are important for uh, the African diaspora and for our brothers and sisters on the continent to pursue at this, you know, at this point in time. Excellent. That is excellent. Um, uh, a lot of my colleagues are here with us, 
I, I know I didn't tell you this. A lot of people have called in. They're listening to our conversation. Um, Alan, this load shedding issue in Zambia and the solar panels here, Michelle, is talking about uh, Noah, everybody here, Dr. Monsanje. Um, uh, I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on these solar panels, uh, solar lamps, Alan, Alan, Alan. Yeah, hello. Yes, you know what? Um, first of all, it's a very interesting conversation. I want to thank her for what she's doing. For, for Africa. I think after going home earlier this year, I'm so appreciative of anyone who lifts a finger to help our people back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I know, man. <laughs> but um, the solar panel are a huge part of the solution. When I was yes. in, Chinsari, in Chinsari, I would find a small polar solar panel, which is about uh, maybe... Uh, about a foot, let's say one foot by one foot. And they use it just to light up just a bulb inside the house, just one mm-hmm. bulb, or uh, just to charge the phone. <coughs> you know, just to charge the cell phones. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That, but that's all they can afford. But if there's a way of getting a bigger panels, more panels, they can have more electricity. But without, um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, can show you the dismal side, but then also the hope. That is there. Because what I saw is you could build a center where kids can come uh, at the school mm-hmm. to do their homework, to do their work. There you go. And read and study in the, at night time. Mm. You, you see what I mean? Whereas we yes. have that, because there's no electricity in those areas anyway. So with mm. solar, mm. it becomes possible for them to be able to, because during the day after school, they are working in the fields. They are herding cattle. They are doing all these kind of stuff. So maybe at night they could sneak in one hour to study. But if you don't have electricity, how do they do it? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's then, uh, yeah. yeah, the last thing I'll, I'll mention is that uh, with the issue of electricity, every household, even in the city, is using charcoal. So is there a way that somebody we can go in Possibly uh, mm-hmm. deal with the issue of charcoal. We're not going to get rid of it. Trees are going to continue dying. But is there a way in which we can do business with the charcoal, but also replanting those trees? Um, seriously thinking about that and trying to figure out how we get that going. Because they're not going to stop using charcoal. They need it, even in the city and in the villages. So what's happening? To... So when we look at the African issues, some of those things, uh, are very, very important. As we help them in the short term, I could take some clothes and uh, stuff like that and import mm. them. But what about the long term? You know, how That's very true. Realize- yeah. Exactly. Mm. That's very true. Now, before I let Michelle respond to this, and I also want Dr. Patrick to make a comment. He's, you've been listening to this conversation, Dr. Patrick, for a while now. Everybody... The, the title of the book she's written is The African Bodyguard. It's based on a true story experience of, like she said, uh, a gentleman who worked as a bodyguard for a former president in Mauritania in West Africa. The purpose she wrote the book was to fundraise. It's not just for the sake of it's to fundraise. So, Dr. Mm-hmm. Monsanje, if we all buy the book, we are helping with the project which she is doing, The African Bodyguard, it's on Amazon. It's available. I know Noah is already going to Amazon to search and to buy a copy. Uh, you want to comment on what you just said, uh, Michelle, and then I'll go to Dr. Patrick? Right. With uh, solar, we need to do, and Professor PLO Lumumba, he always says it, we need to set up institutions, we need to do long-term planning, and, of course, we need effective leadership. So uh, mm. now is the time. Things are coming to the surface. So let's do the right thing, right, and not uh, cause chemicals to be in our air and our water anymore. Get the natural God-given resources that we have, and, mm. you know, we, c- we can cook with it. There are solar. Akon, the singer, he's promoting solar uh, stoves you can cook with. Uh, there's uh, solar lamps that have uh, the potential to charge your cell phone, play radio, so you can get news and all that uh, pretty simply. 
So this mm-hmm. is what more organizations need to. If we're going to, you know, we don't want to continue to give Africa handouts. That's not what they need, but they need no. a hand up. And giving those uh, items that are, you know, linked to renewable energy is what's needed right now more than anything. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Dr. Patrick, you've listened to Michelle's story and uh, journey, and uh, eventually she's written this book, which we all need to just jump in and uh, buy copies to support what she's doing. Um, the story of the, the challenge of the African continent and the African diaspora is something that we deal with here every day. Uh, I don't know what from which angle you want to come in from what you have heard she's talked about and what your comments would be. Well, I, I, well at first I would like to congratulate you, my sister. It's, um, it's always inspiring for me in particular to hear that a brother or sister has written a book. Um, one of our major failings, our being our global brothers and sisters, one of our major failings historically and even today is that we neglect the three major components of our mm-hmm. livelihood. Uh, first being race, the second being literature, and the third is what you're addressing now, and that's the writing of history. Yes. Whenever you write a, whenever you write, uh, when any one of our people write, they intuitively and historically write about our people. So the African bodyguard is is very, very um, important. I'm going to purchase book and read it with relish and joy. And again, I, I I love what you're doing, my sister. And please keep it up. <laughs> and please you. and please keep us informed of of your progress and assistance that um that you will request. Uh, also, with respect to energy, that's mm. very important. And uh, my sister, you mentioned that. Zambia has a lot of water, a lot of um, mm-hmm. hydro uh, hydraulic solution, yeah, hydro yeah. solution. And if we can tap into this when we go about the business of addressing our forum, uh, ideally, whenever we construct, and, and Nathan will discuss with you if he hadn't already about our forums and what projects we're we're engaging in. But in all of our forums, we should think about locating the facilities close to a water resource so we can convert this to energy. Uh, It's very Uh important to marry up the natural resources with the human resources and the intellectual resources. So, again, thank you for bringing this to form us, sister. And I will get your book, and I'll I'll read uh, after I read it, but I, initially I, my critique is A, 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 A plus. <laughs> 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 yeah. And, you know, the African Bodyguard was written with uh, a women audience in mind. And ever mm-hmm. since it was published, it's been the men who has just ran with it. They've given me feedback <laughs> and comments, and I've made changes based on what the men are telling me. I'm just now, you know, getting the book out. I've, uh, there's a couple of female doctors that, you know, got their copy this weekend, and they're going to read it and give me feedback. But um, okay. it's mostly the men that's just, yeah, that's just uh, pushing, promoting this book, basically. Sis, sis I mean, could, you, yeah. could, you, uh. could you share with us a little bit about your um, – Connection to Amazon, Amazon on how you got them to engage in publishing your book or assist in publishing your book. We would like to know right. or learn a little bit about that. Right, Amazon—they're a independent publishing 
platform, I believe that's how Amazon started back in the day, just publishing books, mm-hmm. you know, and selling books. And so uh, when they started that back in, you know, who knows when, but back in uh, 2000 or 2010, I believe, I wrote a book after I traveled to Jamaica to meet my father, who uh, I have never met. I had never met back in, uh, I think it was 2011, I went to Jamaica to meet him. So I wrote about that experience, Mecca in Jamaica. Uh, and that was wow. my first book that I published on Amazon. If anyone's interested in, you know, publishing on Amazon or want to write a book, I can give you support at no cost. You can reach me on info at sherrytomlin.com, and, you know, I'm here for you. Uh, it's that easy. Mm, excellent. Mm, excellent. Thank so you, my sister. That's family. After That's you, read, family. you read the book, you yeah you will uh, eventually it's it's there are plans in the works for this to be made into a movie. We shall be talking about that in our conclusion uh, of, of of this discussion. Everybody, the title of the book is the African Bodyguard. Just that simple. The African Bodyguard. Uh, go online and you can purchase the book and uh, that. Um, before I talk about something else. Uh, uh, the issue that you have addressed in the book, I, I think my colleague here in Canada uh, once wanted to make a comment or say something. Uh, Roger, good morning. If I'm 41 degrees here, you must be minus 90, right? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the playlist. Yeah, interesting uh, discussion. Uh, sorry, I, I came in late, so I think I've missed quite a bit. But I'll, I'll find a way of getting. I'm not a very good reader, unfortunately. But uh, I'll find a way of getting the book. Well, we're, uh, ma- we're my, making it an audio book too. Don't worry. Oh, that that would be wonderful. <laughs> that, that would be yeah, wonderful. I, I I went to a very not so advanced school, so like nothing who can read in one day. I have to take a month to. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to comment on the. Uh, I think you were talking about. Uh, the, the, the power uh, hydroelectric in Zambia. Right now, we have um, a very bad situation, and uh, that has been caused by uh, the droughts, which uh, have affected the southern Africa. So, the only remaining option, I think, which is more than available now, it is even worrying people. It is uh, the sun. If we can work uh, around that, work together on the uh, on uh, solar power, I think that will be the easiest now. I think um, uh, hydro, looking hydro, we, we are trying to look away because I think our country has been affected for quite a while now. I think in close to five years, we've been experiencing very little shortfall uh, of, of rain. Uh, having said that, Zambia still has a collection of about 40% of the water body of southern Africa. So it, it is mm-hmm. huge. However, our our uh, the, uh, the 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 rivers the levels are so low. Um, it will be a little bit uh, uh, a stretch, so so to say. I know I just wanted to comment on that, but otherwise my question, if I was uh, to to ask a, a question again, I'm late. It is um, uh, maybe you, you you discussed with Nathan, but. Uh, um, how are you working in, uh, in, in, uh, in, 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 is it in Zambia or Africa? Uh, how long have you been, uh, how long have you been in Africa uh, with your, with your work? Since 2015, uh, we've been, uh, we started in Nigeria and uh, now we're in Senegal and we want to cover all 54 nations on the continent. Uh, and we're going to probably do it through, the bodyguard because you know i'm sure there's a bodyguard in all of those uh places <laughs> so we're going to find oh, yeah. bodyguards from all 54 nations uh hopefully there will be a television series but we're starting this year starting the end of this month pre-production for the movie uh the african bodyguard and so uh in in the book you know we have bodyguards from malia and senegal uh, right. That we were beginning with. So uh, I just want to show the world the strength of uh, our African men um, and what it's like when they 
uh, elevate their their women. Mm-hmm. They're the engine. The African men are the engine. Like I just told Mason, I haven't gotten anywhere. Uh, I haven't had much success, much success until, you know, I have a team of African men behind me now, just, you know, <laughs> taking me places that I could only dream of. And thank you, Nathan, for this opportunity as well. And so we did talk about social media, and because of social media, I met a Nollywood movie project, uh, producer by the name of Jay Leah Uche, and he's been doing movies for a while, and he's a karate mm-hmm. expert. Um, so my story connecting with a karate expert on social media, you know, here wow. comes this Nollywood movie producer like, hey, I can take you to the next level. So you see the team that I have? Like I said, it's all African behind the scenes, <laughs> driving. You know, I'm driving, but they're the engine, you know. They're the engine, yeah, to my view. That's amazing. And this is the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And, and, yeah, and for the sake of, I know everybody here would be interested to know, you know, how this came about, how my connection with Michelle came about, Roger, everybody listening. Uh, I was attending this, uh, what can I call it, Michelle? Is it an African Union meeting or it's our... Yes, in Hebrew, we have. I have a book signing right before the Hebrew, um, it's a... We're going to be the, the region, in a few yes. years, but it's the, a community. Yeah, our, yeah. yeah, our Dallas area is, is divided into into counties of, you know, this mobilization of the African Union. So you all remember Dr. Emil Kowe from the Hebrew Credit Union uh, attended our function, our 10th anniversary celebration, uh, Dr. Patrick and uh, uh, business conference. So he asked me to share some thoughts about what we did there. So that's how Michelle was in that meeting. She listened to me talk, and that's how we connected. Okay, as we have eight minutes remaining here, and I haven't even tackled much of my questions that are written down here for you about the book, but what I would encourage everybody to do is go to Amazon and buy the African Bodyguard. Our website is Sherry Tomlin. Sherry is S H E R I, not double E R Y. No, Sherry Tomlin uh, dot is it O R G dot com. Yeah, Sherry Tomlin dot com. You'll find all the information there about our work, about the book, and what she's doing, and everything else. So this book is about to become a movie very shortly. And uh, Zambia Block Talk Radio is going to be part of that project. And uh, isn't it nice, Roger, for her to say the African men have been pushing her? And uh, there you go. The African man gets a pat on the shoulder for a change, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I haven't amazing. gotten anywhere until, yeah, until you know, they came on board and just took me to higher higher levels, you know. And so, and it's it's going to continue that way. And I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm just giving thanks. Excellent. Yeah, just give thanks. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. What's, what would be, mm-hmm. as we conclude our discussion here, Michelle, uh, what's your your final word? And uh, uh, remember what we're talking about here is our responsibility as the African diaspora. Baby. The sleeping giant has finally awakening. And uh, yes, momentarily sir. here, I'll be getting on the road coming that we'll be meeting at the African Diaspora Conference going on right now, and this conversation will continue there with a lot of people. What is our responsibility as the African well, Diaspora? Our our uh, leader this weekend that's with us this weekend, Dr. Arakana Chambori Kwa, mm. she's uh, stating that we must unite. Once we can connect, unite, trust each other, we will become everything that, you know, God made us to be in the beginning and not Mm -hmm. allowing anyone to take anything away from us ever again because, or, you know, uh, go along with wrong, wrong ideas and and wrong thinking. It doesn't benefit us. We have to think Mm -hmm. for ourselves, do for ourselves. We must connect and unite. Uh, My hope is that we can open trade markets 
you know, between the African diaspora and those on the African continent, because not everybody's going to go back to Africa. But we can have oh. those trade markets where, you know, because when I, I'm in Africa, if I, I told you at that meeting we were at, if I go to bed, you know, at night, I wake up with a new outfit every morning. Uh, anything that I can think of, the African men will make it for me, art, uh, any item you could think of. Why are we buying made in China products when just oh. that simple, you know, African men can just, and they're not being recognized for their talents and their abilities, but everything they have is being stolen from them. No more. We need oh. trade markets where people pay fair, play fair and pay fair, okay? Uh, and that's, that's my push <laughs> for 2020. Yeah, from this day okay. forward, that's how it should be. Excellent. Uh, I'm getting some messages here, Ms. Sherry. Some people are searching for the books, and they are finding this uh, 449. Is that supposed to be in a different currency or what? Uh, if you're... In uh, America, it's supposed to be fifteen dollars and ninety nine cents. You can order it on my website, SherryTomlin.com. Uh, and if you do it today, I'll know it's because of uh, of uh, this program. So I'll give you a discount. Mm. I'll give you a um, I wouldn't get one free offer. Uh, so it's a great Christmas gift. Uh, it's a great mm-hmm. birthday gift. Yeah. So give it out as gifts as well. Mm, excellent. So everybody, I think maybe the best way to do it is to go to the website, right? Yes, SherryTomlin.com, S-H-E-R-I-T-O-M-L-I-N.com. All right, let's go to the website. Instead of Amazon, I think there's a little bit, I don't know what the confusion that is going on there, but yeah. well, uh, like she said. Uh, yeah, different places, you know, Amazon is going to charge different prices. It's, uh, it's global now, so mm-hmm. um yeah, there's going to be different prices, and it's going to be available in French uh, next week, and they're translating it in French. It'll be available on Amazon.com, the French link, next week. Oh, wow. Powerful, powerful. That's a mm-hmm. powerful week. Yes, it's been an honor to have you on the show. We shall come back because uh, one thing everybody needs to know is that you're also a mental health practitioner. And that's one of the yes, issues that we are, yeah, that's one of the issues yeah. that we are dealing with uh, uh, in great length here in our health uh, sector forum and promotions and all the work that we are trying to do here. Nishiri, thank you. I'll be seeing you momentarily at the conference. God bless you. I I enjoyed every moment, and I cannot wait to come back. And I just love your listening audience. Thank you for your support. Excellent. Everybody, the title of the book is The African Bodyguard. You can buy it. Let's get it on the, on her website, SherryTomlin.com, S-H-E-R-I-T-O-M-L-I-N, SherryTomlin.com. All right, Roger, what's coming up on Open Forum? Okay, uh, Open Forum, we have uh, a great discussion there. Um I'm trying to build um, uh, a huge economy, 200 billion, not mm. this uh, talking about 25 billion dollar uh, economy. No, what does that really mean? <laughs> what will it take for a country like Zambia? If a small country mm. like uh, Chile is able to have an economy of 300 billion, 300 mm. billion, uh, no, 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 that's uh, Singapore, 300 billion with only 500 million people. With all our resources in Zambia, as uh, Ms. Uh, Michelle is, uh, is saying here, with all our resources in Zambia, why can't we afford, why can't we make a 200 billion economy and have everyone be coming to Zambia? That's what we're going to talk about. What, we, what is it going to take? What is it going to That's take? Right. So it's going to be mm. a good, nice discussion, uh, one of those discussions where I'm, I'm pumped up already. <laughs> excellent, I'm excellent. So everybody, I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, let's go back in. Don't forget to go to SherryTomlin.com to get a copy of your book and let's support our sister there. Oh, open forum time. <laughs>
Amai kupoteka mutima Koma zote tazitoa Nimaona misozi masomwake Nimavuto abale nimavuto With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.